Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. Oh, good morning. It's uh, nice to be able to share some of God's word with you. If you saw our online service a few weeks ago when I last uh, did that, then you'll remember that we started to look at the letter of 1 John. And it's the 1 John I want to return to again. So why don't you grab your Bibles um, or, or get your Bible up on your phone. And we're going to be just finishing off the second half of chapter one of 1 John today. Again, I'm just going to take 15 minutes or so uh, to share some reflections, hopefully to encourage you. And, um, and we'll just pray now that God uses, uh, uses what I've prepared. So Father, we submit ourselves to you. Uh, we know that to read your word and to study your word and to talk and teach your word is good. Um, but we also know we need your Holy Spirit to apply it to our own lives and to bring real change. So I pray for myself and for those who are watching this, uh, that you use these words and your word to change our hearts, to follow you more closely. Amen. So we're going to pick up one, John, you remember last time, if, if you were with us, then we talked about the first four verses about the logos of life um, that John uh, claims has become manifest and has, um, has so changed him that his joy is complete. And in the letter ahead, he goes on to talk about three different themes, really, which he keeps returning to about how we know that we are following Jesus and that therefore our joy can be complete. And he talks about the way that we treat one another. He talks about obeying Jesus's words and he talks about believing that Jesus was who he says he was. And um, in the verses ahead of us, we don't touch on those specifically, but we do touch on the issue of sin. So let's read them together and then I will offer some reflections. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So John talks a lot about sin here and we're going to talk a lot about sin this morning. And sin is something that sometimes gives Christians a bad press. We are the people who talk about sin. Um, sometimes the stereotype is that Christians are judgmental or that we're very fussy about a few areas of life, normally kind of sex, alcohol, maybe TV. Um, and these are sins. But really, the, the Christian kind of our, our understanding of sin is much deeper than that. And I'd also say that it is actually good news. And the reason is this, that if we've been alive for more than a few years, I mean, if you have a pulse, then you will know that there is something deeply wrong with the world. You will see suffering 
you'll experience it yourself. Um, we know the kind of deep turmoil that not only the nations and our nation are in, but goes on in our own hearts as well. And we know how often we hurt others and are hurt by others and how much stuff isn't quite at peace in our lives so much of the time. And then good news about sin is that the Bible gives us a diagnosis for this problem. It's not a random set of occurrences that we can do nothing about and can never be delivered from. It's not some unexplainable mystery to be endured. No, the reason why we struggle so much is because of sin, sin in the world and sin in ourselves, in our own hearts. So I think the message of sin is tremendously good news because it's like a diagnosis. It actually tells you, yeah, this is what's going on. This is the problem. And um, and the reason a diagnosis like this is good news is because there is a cure, as John goes on to talk about. So as we go through the text, we're going to sort of stop at each verse, look at what he's saying. And let's take this seriously, um, because what John offers here is the way we should deal with sin, which is likely to be a daily event for you and for me. So it's worth getting our heads around. So he starts verse five. This is the message we've heard from him. Him here is Jesus, the logos of life that he's been talking about in the first four verses. The message we've heard from Jesus and proclaim to you is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Let's just pause on that for a minute, shall we? Um, we're so used to using God language. Let's just pause on what John's actually saying. That God is light, metaphor for purity, for moral excellence. And in him is no darkness at all. God is the only being in the world who is completely morally perfect. There is no blemish in God. As James says, he does not sin. He cannot be tempted to sin. God is the only morally perfect person, being, to have ever existed. And this is part of the reason that we worship him, that we consider him holy, that there is a sense of awe that we should have as we approach God, because he is truly beyond compare. <laughs> And one other thing I want to, to sort of speak about here is that um, because God is morally perfect in every way, he is also tremendously happy in every way. You know, think for a moment about your life and mine. What is it that prevents our happiness, steals our joy, that stops things being as they should be? Well, it's sin. Sin in the world, in others or in myself, that's what disturbs our happiness and robs us of joy. But God has no sin. He is light. And therefore, he is also the only person who is completely, wonderfully joyful and happy all the time. Uh, God is the happiest being in the universe, if you want to think of it like that. You know, sometimes as Christians, we can fall into the trap of thinking we've got to keep God happy somehow or that, you know, God's unhappy with us or with the situation or, you know, all of those sorts of things. There's a sense in which that's true. But, but there's an even greater sense in that nothing can ever tarnish the immense joy of God. 
because he experiences no sin. So there is no limit to his joy in his own perfections. This is kind of headbending stuff when you think about it. But it's important to try and inform ourselves of who is this God that we worship. And here's two other things that, that this verse alone draws our attention to. He is light. He is a happy, joy filled light in whom there is no darkness. And the marvellous thing, as, as John talks about, is that this has been manifest to us in Jesus and that we can have fellowship with this spotless, joy filled light. However, in verse six, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So first, we need to just make sure we understand what he means by walk in darkness. John is not saying that if we sin, um, we lie and we do not practice the truth. In fact, as he goes on later, as we read, to say that if we say that we don't sin, then the truth isn't in us. So walking in darkness is not about committing sins of omission or commission or not doing anything wrong. Now, he, John assumes that we, we sin all the time. So what is he talking about, walking in darkness? Well, I think the rest of the verses make clear, and we'll see again as we go through them, that what John's saying is that Walking in darkness is to be continuing to sin without confessing it, without bringing it into the light, without making known before God and to other people. And that's what I'm going to major on today. And to other people that we have sinned. That's what walking in the light is. Walking in the darkness. All those images are of concealment, of hiddenness, of managing it on our own of uh, sorting ourselves out. That is walking in the darkness, keeping a lid on it, protecting our shame. And shockingly, I mean, John is quite clear. He says if we do this, if we're continuing to sin and not confessing that sin, then and we claim to have fellowship with God, then we are liars. We are not practising the truth. And, and we're liars because God is light in him. There can be no darkness. So if we say that we are having fellowship with God, that we're some way integrated into God, yet walking in darkness, we lie because we're claiming something that's impossible about God. To whatever extent I walk in the darkness, to that extent I'm not in fellowship with God. Again, this is not about committing sins and then confessing them. We'll come to that. This is about committing sins and hiding them away. So I ask you this morning and I ask myself, where are the areas where I am walking in darkness? What is the sin in my life that no one else knows about? Because that is a barrier to my fellowship with God. In fact, worse than that, it's making me a liar to claim to be a Christian whilst hiding away my sin from God and from others. And both matter. So maybe let's just pause on that for 30 seconds, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we're probably already aware of it, but if we're not, then bring it to mind. Are there areas where we are walking in darkness 
hiding our sin and therefore not practising the tree. Show them to us this morning. If you want to spend longer praying about that before you move on, then if you're able to, maybe you want to pause um, and take some time. Assuming that you know, you're ready to move on. The second thing in this verse is, is that John says, not only are you lying, but you're not practising the truth. Isn't it interesting that truth is something to be done, not just something to be known? Um, in our culture, we most often think of truth as things that we know, that we cognitively grasp, that this is true and this is false. But for John and, and for actually Greeks and Jews at this time more generally, and the truth was as much something that you did. Um, you probably have heard it said about some people that they are true. You've heard it used as an adjective. Well, when someone's true, we, we mean that their actions match up with integrity to their beliefs and their morals and their values. A, a true person is one whom is the same person in whatever context they are, where you know they are straightforward in some way, in the sense that what they say, they live. That's an ambition to have, isn't it? Well, could we be a people whose idea of truth is one that we do? <laughs> we don't just know the truth, we practice the truth. Perhaps a challenge for many of us who are familiar with the Bible, you know, as James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. Don't just know the truth, you have to live the truth. And so again, John, so what John's saying here then, you know, that if we don't bring sin into the light, then we are not doing the truth. However well we know the truth, we're not doing the truth. So that's the sort of, you know, that, that's where we shouldn't be. That's where John is trying to encourage us out of. But where should we be? What does it mean to walk in the light? Verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. So. To, to walk in the light, I'm also going to pick up on verse nine here. To walk in the light is to confess our sins. But I don't think that John is just thinking of confessing our sins to God. Of course, that matters and that's included. But John's also thinking here of confessing our sins to one another. And one of the clues for this is that he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we bring our sin into the light, if we confess it, we have fellowship with God. Not yet with Jesus. No, we have fellowship with one another. That bringing sin into the light reconciles us as a community and allows us to be together. This is a sort of astounding priority when we consider our defaults. My default is to say, well, if I've sinned, I will maybe confess it to God. But I'm certainly not going to embarrass myself in front of someone else. But John says dealing with sin is all about our community. We only have fellowship with one another when we're walking in the light, when we're confessing our sins. We may want to grasp that this morning, 
that to confess our sins to one another is not some hangover from the Catholic Church. Um, in the Catholic Church, you have to confess your sins to a priest. Now, we don't believe that. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. But this doesn't mean you don't confess your sins. It just means it doesn't matter which Christian you confess them to. There's a famous Christian theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was executed under the Nazis as a martyr. Um, and he used to talk a lot about the importance of confession. And he ran a, a theology training school, a kind of Bible college, if you like. And every week at chapel, he used to find the newest, the most immature, inexperienced student in his college. And he would sit next to them and confess his sins to that person. And he was doing that to set an example that it doesn't matter who you confess to. It doesn't have to be a pastor or a very mature Christian. It just has to be a Christian brother or sister who can hear your confession and pray with you. We need to recover this in our church. We need to recover the importance of confessing our sins to one another. As Bonhoeffer says, it's at the point of confession that the old man dies because it's embarrassing and it makes us feel ashamed. So it's a death. We lay our lives down. The old man dies as we confess our sins and the new man, the, the resurrection man, the, the, the man of a life can come forth again. Or in John's words, we can have fellowship with one another. If you don't confess your sin to another Christian, then I would deeply encourage you to start doing that this week and die the death of embarrassment, but receive the life of fellowship. Remember, these things were written in verse four, that our joy may be complete. The second effect, if we confess our sins, is that we're restored to fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it's gone and it is done and it is finished. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, so John is, is sort of careful here to, for, for those who may think that um, they don't need to confess because they haven't really uh, committed any sin. Now, knowing our church, I'd say that's an unlikely attitude for you or I to take because we talk very openly about our brokenness and our need to change and our sin. But just in case there's a temptation in your mind that says, well, I've not really done anything that bad. I don't really need to do this confession stuff. And John sort of makes it crystal clear here that if you're opting out, you know, I think this is not just those saying, uh, you know, I have done no sin ever. I think this is also addressing those of us who might say, well, I've not done anything that bad. So I'm going to opt out of this confession stuff of bringing things into the light. Uh, my stuff's not that serious, so I'll just deal with it with God. Well, I think John's saying, you know, if we if we opt out, if we say we don't need this, our sin's not bad enough then we lie, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, often seemingly great sins and seemingly little sins come from the same uh, sinful heart, just with different circumstances and opportunities. So um, I would encourage all of us 
let's not opt out of this grace of confession, but let's opt in to walking in the light. Because, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is one of my favourite verses in all of scripture because it doesn't say God is merciful. It doesn't say God is graceful. It doesn't say God is kind, although all these things are true. Our forgiveness when we confess our sins doesn't rest on God's grace and kindness here. It rests on his faithfulness and his justice. What I mean is because Jesus died, because he shed his blood, because he made that sacrifice, paid that price, God has bound himself to have to forgive my sin and your sin. He has to forgive our sin when we bring it into the light, because if he did not do so, he would be unfaithful to Jesus and unjust to his word. You know, when Jesus died, he died to deal with sin once for all, to remove the curse of sin and death from us. And when he said it is finished on the cross, he meant it is finished, like it's done. There is no more punishment for sin for those who walk in the light with Jesus. And this comforts me greatly because when my sin is most shameful and I feel most inexcusable, well, those times where I think you knew better, you knew what you were doing, you did it anyway, your sin feels unforgivable, then this verse tells me that if I confess my sin, then he is just and faithful. He has bound himself to forgive my sin because of the grace and obedience of Jesus. He's also kind and merciful and graceful. I'm not denying those things, but my forgiveness doesn't rest on God's benevolence as if he might one day not choose to do that. It rests on his righteousness where he has to always choose to do that because of what he's done in Jesus. So this gives me great hope in my darkest moments. And I hope it gives you the same hope that when we bring our sin into the light, when we die a death and confess our sins to our brothers and sisters and walk in the light, we cannot not be forgiven. What an amazing thing to hold on to. And finally, John says, you know, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Because if we say we've not sinned, we really say Jesus's death was unnecessary. I don't need it. Uh, and we make God a liar who, who God himself thought that the death of Jesus was necessary, knew that the death of Jesus was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins. And if we want to say that it's not necessary, then we make God a liar. Again, I'm, I'm pretty confident that none of us in this church family would put ourselves there. But, you know, obviously for John's church that he was writing to, there might have been someone there who needed to hear that. 
So I want to sort of finish there. We've been through the text, kind of as a few points to take away and think about. The main point really is, don't you want to embrace the grace of confession? Now to walk in the light as he is in the light. Let's not kid ourselves that we don't need it. Let's not kid ourselves that we we shouldn't really confess our sin to other people, that we're going to opt out of that. No, let's embrace what John's talking about, the grace of confession that allows us to be in fellowship with one another and allows us to receive the sure forgiveness of our sins based on God's justice. And all of this, to return to verse four, is so that our joy may be complete. If you've never confessed your sins to a human, the things you're most ashamed of, and you've never received the grace of the forgiveness and the healing that comes through that, then you haven't experienced all the joy that God offers to you. So here's my plea is to do that. Know God's joy, know his forgiveness that he's bound himself to, and know the deeper fellowship with one another, the only real fellowship with one another that comes when we live in confession and bringing our sin into the light. Then to talk of sin is good news because it's freedom, joy, fellowship, forgiveness and hope. Why don't we just pray to finish? Lord, we lift our hearts to you. You know that to humble ourselves in confession is not something we find easy. But as we see in your word, it's something that you are crystal clear about, that this is something that is for all of us. And something that is an important part of how we experience your joy and your forgiveness and your light. So help us, Lord, today and this week to confess our sins to one another and to receive your forgiveness more fully into our lives than we have done before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lovely to have a chance to share some scripture with you and I look forward to next time I'll be doing that. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Applecote Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecoatchristiancentre.org.uk